Well, welcome back. Welcome back to Beyond the Sunday Sermon. Pastor Craig here with Pastor Jerry, as always. Hello. And despite opening up uh, ourselves to accusations of nepotism, we have welcomed in uh, Ellen Martin. Hello. Uh, So good to have you here. She always has intriguing insights and questions. Um, So, Jerry, remind us. What you preached on last Sunday. Yes, yeah, so we are in our, I believe, the fourth installment or fifth installment, I forget, of our sermon series. Um, the first three or four weeks we were walking through just the, the really the, the heights of our life in Christ and all the blessings that we've had. Um, and there's, you can sense there, there's, there's this lingering question, especially a lot of what Paul prays near the end of Ephesians chapter one, where he wants the Ephesians to know um this this power the the same the resurrect the resurrection power that they have in Christ that the same power that um, God used to raise Christ from the dead is the same power at work in their hearts. So now the lingering question obviously is how does one appreciate that? How does one get to know that? And it's amazing that Paul doesn't just say think more about the resurrection, think more about the blessings. He says contra- contra- contrast that with what your life was like before before Christ. And that's the lens that he gives us. So I broke it down into just two parts. Um, what is man really like? What is man life like apart from Christ? And then um, the second part was God's immeasurable love towards those type people. Um, so yeah, that's 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 how we started it off. And I would love to begin with any questions. Yeah, so I think um, the first question I had is something I find kind of difficult to think about and difficult to resolve so it's the whole idea of like the very first thing you opened with Mm. of the fact that we were dead Mm. in the trespasses and sins and now we're alive Mm. and I find that difficult because if we have like a perfect creator who's made us for a specific purpose um, Mm. why does it sometimes really feel like we're held back by past sins or like old habits Mm. And it sometimes doesn't really feel like we're dead to those sins. Mm. That is phenomenal. That, that's that's a great question. I think the answer lies in the second half of of um, <clears throat> really it's, it's yeah the, the second half of our passage, which is verses four through through ten. Um, and it's what's when we when we ask the question, what is the what is the life that God gives, and how does He give it? The life that God gives is the faith in the soul. And that's what's lacking in the first part. Um, and I think that's maybe might, might be hard to hear because faith can seem just so simple to us, to us, to those who are believers. But that's the resurrection power that's given. So faith is given to the soul to look at sin differently. He never says here that the saint doesn't struggle with sin any longer. He does say you have a new perspective on this on sin. To put it plainly, you now hate the sin. Mm. Um, the good works there that we're to walk in is contrasted with the the way they were living prior. So like in the beginning, he says, you were walking a certain way. You were dead, and this death is is exemplified in how you were living. They were these, and against these dead works that you were doing. You were just following the course of the world, following just your natural instincts, but now this new life is given to you, and it's changed your whole perspective. You look at the way you're living just completely differently. And that is akin to the resurrection of, of Christ. That's that's what's phenomenal. So I think that's part of the answer. Um, one, Paul doesn't say that we, the Christian no longer struggles with sin, um, but we're no longer held captive by our sin. 
that's the freedom. We're no longer held captive. Um, so yeah, you may ask, what does being held captive <laughs> look like? Well, are you asking, Ellen, why does a Christian still feel sometimes like they're dead in sin? Or are you asking, it, it's just hard to imagine us, anybody, non-Christian or Christian, dead at all? Or hmm. More that, yeah, I think more like what you said first, that I think it's... Yeah, because I feel like some things, sometimes I just feel like stuck in habits, like mm. just like old ways of thinking of things um, <clears throat> that like should be dead. And like, I think if I'm now a Christian and I've changed and I've like grown in some way, like why do I find it hard to like break out of old mm. patterns and old habits? Mm. And like, why would kind of God create us in a way that we've, that, well, that I feel like it's really hard to like completely let go of old habits, you know? Hmm. Hmm. So it's really even when you read four through 10, then I think your question is that doesn't seem to compute. That doesn't seem to map on to my Christian life or most people's Christian life hmm. is like this incredible power. Hmm. You probably say something similar to the end of chapter one, like this power that we have been given in hmm. Christ. We've been raised with him now. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. It is a great question. And I think <laughs> I think we underappreciate faith and the, the power of faith. And faith is not perfection. Faith is being perfected in a sense. Um, so the, it's the very fact that God has to give it to you. So I think the problem is we think faith is just a natural thing. It's just a natural thing to us. So yeah, I have this faith, but to have faith in Christ is the gift of God itself. It's the life given to the soul. So we are dead, no faith in, in Christ. Now we have faith and he says, that's you being resurrected. That's you being raised with him. That's you being seated with him. That's the life in the soul that you have now. And I think the struggle is because we, we often think that faith is just this natural natural thing to us. But I do think there, I mean, it seems like he's, he's not just saying you have faith in Christ who was raised just to kind of add, mm -hmm. add to, I think the power of Ellen's question, mm -hmm. not just you believe Christ did this in this passage. He's saying you have been raised with him mm -hmm. and you have been seated with him. And so it seemed like why why then do we sin if that's true like how mm. can we how can we really see ourselves as raised with Jesus mm. who has been exalted mm -hmm. above every name that is named mm -hmm. above every power and authority and you know dominion yeah yeah i think that's this is the hard part about about the way ephesians here tackles that or speaks about the faith because it speaks it's spoken about in such, lo in such lofty terms and it should be because it is he's given us this great big you know high and deep view on what it looks like um, and what we actually have in Christ but you read other parts of the Bible and it's most of our f experience the Christian faith is just ordinary it's just ordinary living that's <laughs> what it is um, and how, how does that compute? I, I don't know. I think Paul's just given us this mountaintop view because he knows that it's in order for us to see, we, we have to see it in the, in the ordinary of everyday life. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't want to, what's the best way to put it? I don't want to say Americanize it, but we, we can often think about faith in a, in a superhuman type way, 
like um, Superman or some type of X-Man, some type of superhero. It's it's not. I mean, it really is just daily put into death sin, saying no to sin and yes to God. I mean, it's 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 that basic in experience, but that what's the best way to put it? It's like it's basic in how we experience in day to day. Like today, when I have to go, when I go home, I'm going to be tired. I have a wife. I have a young five month old child. Um, there's nothing about me going home being patient and and loving that seems supernatural. But but me saying no to my desires. I want I want rest. I want to click on the TV <laughs> and me saying yes to doing the right thing because that's what God wants me to do. And that's what my wife and my child need. There's something powerful about that to be able to do that. And I, yeah, I think I'm trying to get at the answer. But <laughs> yeah, actually, there was something you said um, on Sunday that I thought was really interesting. And I hadn't like really heard it that much that it's not like the strength of like your faith but it's the strength of the savior mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i yeah i don't know i've just like never i didn't really think about that like yeah 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 because it's we're raised with with christ um so yeah i, I, I use it's i forget which puritan said it but i think a number of them coined that that phrase that um uh, a, a weak faith always clings to a strong christ um so faith is a gift given to us but um, and it's given to us. <laughs> so the, the faith that saves is the it's 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 not given to us in in different measures. I don't think it's just faith, like trust in this one risen Savior. You cling to Him. Um, now, after that, life is always going to be lived in faith and through faith in Christ. It's always going to be that. Now, that can be given in different measures, but it's always uh, it's 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 never strong enough in a sense to be worthy of clinging to Christ. It's always Christ clinging to us um so yeah that's that's why i think the the works there is always going to take us living out our life via through faith via through faith i wonder yeah i I just wonder too with this question if if our theology would help us uh in the sense that so our our tradition believes that justification is a one time once for all like declaration you have been forgiven you have been made righteous in christ seems like that's really what four through nine Mm. is getting at this Mm -hmm. if you have saving faith Mm -hmm. you are considered in jesus Mm -hmm. as literal as we can push that Mm -hmm. and so where he is that's where you are Mm -hmm. you are justified Mm -hmm. and yet uh Verse 10 then starts with the sanctification, I think. So Mm -hmm. you are now, you're made, because of your justification, Mm -hmm. you're made now to do good works. Mm -hmm. Um, And so maybe the the heights, you could say, of justification Mm -hmm. are really, really high, Mm -hmm. really amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't, as you said, it doesn't necessitate perfection. Right. Doesn't necessitate a perfect life. Right. But it certainly should make us grieve over our sin. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's another like way to address your question, Alan. The incredible grace we have been given means that Christians really should not sin as much as we do. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it should we should have a much deeper hatred for injustice 
wrongs done, mm-hmm. all those sorts of things, all sorts of sin. Mm-hmm. We should have more of a hatred of it uh, than a non-Christian because we mm-hmm. see what it took to be saved mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And yet, of course, more of a gracious spirit because we've been given it first. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's sort of what strikes me, though. It's like we we make excuses for why we still sin. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's it's already not yet. We're still being sanctified. Mm-hmm. All that, that's true. Mm-hmm. It's the ordinary walk. That's all true. Mm-hmm. But we should also grieve the fact that we don't we don't live the way we should. Right. You know? Right. Right. We're we're living counter every sin is a mm-hmm. contradiction mm-hmm. of who we are. Yeah, it, it really is. And that's why I love how what Paul adds in there that the reason he does all the he, he raises us with him and he, he puts us in a different position than we were before. You know, one we were dead in our sins, now we are alive with Christ and in him. And then he says it he gives that purpose clause, that reason can, mm-hmm. <laughs> that he would show us kindness. Mm-hmm. And remember, you know, Paul's whole theology and the reason why God shows kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. So if we're not, I mean, that this this, this is just if 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 we're not being led to repentance, we are we're whole, we're thinking about His kindness in the wrong way. His kindness is never meant to give us freedom to continue in sin, um, but it is meant to push us towards repentance. Um, and I I like thinking about repentance as Repentance and faith obviously go hand in hand. You can't repent and not have faith, and you can't have faith without repenting. They go they go hand in hand. Um, there's they're two sides of the same coin. So I, I do like seeing the sign of repentance in a Christian grieving, as you would say, as life. Like you are experiencing life in the soul. You're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your soul to turn you from your sin, to make you feel. I hate to say make you feel bad, but in a sense to make you look at it differently and say that's not the way God intended me to live. Not the way he intended. That's not the life that he has given me, and that's slowly cutting away at at the at at at, at, at sin's power, <laughs> slowly putting it to death. So, yeah, it's a great question, though. It really is a great, great question. <laughs> I think there's like another thing um, that goes back a little bit to what you were saying, Jerry, about um, like let's say you go home and you're tired, and mm. you know, like. You're, it's not the best conditions to be like patient or like kind and like generous. So I think something I find tricky in my brain to think about is like, how do I balance like wanting to do something good? Hmm. Like, because I have the head knowledge that as Christians, like hmm. we should be patient, we should be kind, mm-hmm. but then actually in my heart knowing I do not want to do this right now. Hmm. And I don't, I don't know if I really have a question, but I think it's just... Mm. I find it difficult to really like want to do these things that I know as Christians we should want. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really really good. That's really really good. So um, I don't know if this is gonna be an answer, but it, it's it's somewhat of a, a response. Maybe it, maybe it's helpful. Maybe it's not. But as a, a as a as as a personal story, personal story, um, as as you, at least you three in here know, and most people know that I'm a newly minted father. And um, I didn't know. I, I've read many books on it. I've gotten many, many, you know, I've had many people give me great advice on what to expect when you have a newborn child. But what I didn't expect was something in me to fight against the knowledge that I have. 
Mm. Like to know that the child is not going to allow me to be comfortable, to know that going into it, but to still feel some type of way about it, to still wrestle with it. And God, that was in a sense, yes, it pointed out my sin, but it was God's kindness to me. <laughs> His kindness to me was in not a, in a sense, opening me up and saying, wow, look, at, here's a mirror. Here's a mirror of your soul. And I saw it. Um, and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't go away overnight. Um, I'm only five months in, so I don't want to speak as I'm a, a veteran. But um, what had to happen, I had to see it first, and then it had to be, had to slowly be killed. And that's kindness. <laughs> that's God's love and kindness. That's why Paul often talks about the way we put, the way we conquer sin is by crucifying it. I find it amazing that he parallels, uses the word that Christ, the same word Christ, you know, the same cross Christ has given is applied to the Christian life. And if you think about the cross, it was public, it was open, and it was shameful. And it was, and it was relentless. And I think he uses it on purpose because we need to, our sin, it needs to be publicly portrayed and it's publicly not always in front of people, but at least to yourself yeah. needs to be visible out there and you need to see it as shameful, like something that is not good, but we're not left in our shame. So I want people to hear that we're not left in our shame. He's not out just to shame us is to shame sin in order to turn us away from it. Mm. And that's, I think that's the point. So I don't know if that example is helpful, but I, I do think the kindness that we're often it, are shown is God, show, God wanting us to bring closer together the knowledge that we have about sin and righteous living and then actually desiring it, like bringing those two points closer together. And that takes this part dying, the part that knows it and the part that doesn't want it, with the part that actually wants to desire it. So that was a bit wordy, but... <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I find hard about this passage is... And I think I'm just being a typical modern person in this is, is trying to really read verses one through three seriously. So hmm. I think if we were to walk out onto Whitney Avenue and just approach the first person who came to us and says, hey, did you know, well, are you a Christian? But if not, did you know you are dead <laughs> in your sins? Hmm. Um, they would have no idea what we're talking about and and they would also say isn't that obviously false you're talking to me right now like mm -hmm. i'm alive yeah i have a heartbeat mm -hmm. uh and i could be doing very amazing things you know it could be a, some grad student at yale who's changing the world through yeah you know electrical engineering and developing country who knows mm -hmm. um i don't know what would you what would you say in that situation well i mean it's it's a good point, and it, like the, the gospel message is very alien to yeah. to a, a non Christian. Um, you know, I, I probably and I know you're not saying this, but I probably wouldn't start off with saying that you're dead and saying if I was <laughs> okay. in a, if, if, if I was in a if I was in a conversation with an unbeliever, I'd I'd want to you know sort of enter into the world and find some agreement. Like I think we can all agree that something's terribly wrong with mm -hmm. the world. It's not perfect, and why? And we can start there. And maybe work our way to the Christian message, but we can at least say that there's something wrong with the world, and man, up to this point, has been totally inept at fixing it. Totally inept at fixing it. As a matter of fact, it's gotten, in a sense, worse. The more power people seem to have, the more they seem to abuse it. 
the more knowledge they seem to have, the more they seem to be abused and not used. Um, why are people so power hungry? Um, why, why does technology both give us access to things, but separates us from every, from everybody else? Like there's something terribly wrong. And we, if we can't agree at that level, then I think they're, um, I think they're under some type of crazy spell <laughs> to not be able to see that something's wrong. So I think starting there is a helpful point. Um, and then we can get into maybe, is there something wrong with us? Like, you know, why is there depression? Why, why are, why is there this lingering feeling like I'm, I'm not living up to something that I'm capable of living up to? Mm-hmm. Why is there this fear of, of, of death? I think that's the big one. Why is there this lingering fear of death? Mm-hmm. Um, why am I always chasing after life? But it all, it feels like holding wet soap in my hands. Like it's always slipping out. I can never grasp it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a reason there. We were made to be in communion with the very substance and essence what reality is and that's the, the, the lord apart from that we're grasping for air mm-hmm. um so that's where i'll go i don't know how where would you go or where would you guys go <laughs> with that i i don't i think i would if we're like talking about yeah someone who's not like christian out in the street i don't know i think i would kind of just invite them into the community so mm-hmm. that which should hopefully kind of have a completely different structure from like the outside world like Mm. people who are you know like we don't reward people who are like power hungry and yeah I don't know I was just thinking that like a lot of people who are in positions of power in the world like it's fine if they're not a nice person because they've achieved a lot Mm. whereas like I think we should be a community that doesn't really like reward that kind of behavior in the same way Mm. or kind of view success or achievement in like the same way Mm. Um, and that your value as a human being is not dependent on like what you can do or how well, I think you said this as well. It's Mm. not like how good you are or how well you do it, Mm -hmm. which is another like wild thing that just doesn't, I think fit with like, at least like the culture that I was raised in. And I think Mm. like just the culture that I'm in now, like even academia, Mm. like it completely doesn't align. And I think Mm. people who are not part of, like a Christian community coming in and seeing that I think can actually be like quite a wild just Mm. contrast from like the life that they're used to. Mm. I like that. You want, you would invite them in to a different community. Mm. That's, that's solid evangelism right there. I like that. That really is (laughs) like that. Amen. Amen to that. Amen to that. I think, I think that, uh, yeah, I couldn't beat that answer for sure. Mm-hmm. Invite them into the community. That's the only way they're going to experience anything like mm-hmm. this. Because mm-hmm. somehow they have to get to, we all have to get to an experience of the living God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't often happen in a conversation. It doesn't. It can. Mm-hmm. It, at least it can clear away some mm-hmm. stereotypes and stuff. But mm-hmm. certainly experiencing God through his church, which is where Ephesians is going to end up going anyway. Right. And I'm going to butcher this this quote, so I'm going to paraphrase it. But um, J.C. Rowley was a 19th century English um, Anglican bishop, and near the end of his life, he was um, pondering on just how the gospel works in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, after all the preaching, after all of the ordinances, all of the things are very important that people go through, um, and you point people to. He said, something else is needed. <laughs> something else is needed. At the end of the day, it takes the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, I, I can't expect to go and speak to somebody who is dead in their sins and expect them to be like, ah, yes, you're right. Apart from the spirit work in their hearts. I mean, I've heard it. It's, it's, it, it's a, it's a cliche use of analogy in sermons like this, especially in this passage. But I mean, if I went to the nearby grave and I brought them, I brought, I, I took with me this massive feast and I said, smell this wonderful feast, come all and eat. Nobody would come. <laughs> Because it's full of death. No one would come. Um, I could cook up the greatest meal. I could cook up the greatest, most eloquent sermon. Get the megaphone out there and <laughs> yell at the top of my lungs and, and waft the, <laughs> the smell and nobody would come. Mm-hmm. And Paul is equating that to preaching the gospel to a dead world. People are dead. They're not going to hear. They're, just, they're, they're not going to respond. Um, and I think that's another thing where people should respond to the message of God's love. They don't. It's a sign of death. Um, you, to reject your creator is a sign of death. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really takes, and that's why the passage was, the um, Ezekiel 37 passage was read in the, in the service. Um, God asked Ezekiel to do something insane. Go speak to a valley of dry bones and tell them to live. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it took the Holy Spirit to come and bring life to dead bones. So that's, what we're, that's, that's the work we're doing as Christians. We are. It really does exalt the power of the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, we basically are going to the cemetery, yeah, and preaching. But it's not our own preaching. It's not anything we can say that has right. the power. Right. Right. Yeah. Any other thoughts or questions? I yeah, I had a, another thought, kind of about like, I don't know if this is tangential, but like of like good works within the church Mm. and you know paul you know telling like saying that we shouldn't boast in anything Mm. and i think it can be like difficult i think to accept that we're saved not at all through works because i think like humans and maybe me Mm. um like i there is a part of me that does want to be acknowledged for doing like a good thing Mm. um Mm. And even in like potentially like church contexts, you know, like, oh, like helping out at this event or like Mm. leading this event, this Mm. and that, Um, which are like, they are good things and like help to build the community. Um, But I think it it can be tricky to then like not boast in those things. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And just like how to how to balance like again this kind of comes back to what i was saying before like doing things because of like the head knowledge that they're good to do and Mm. like actually practically helpful Mm. Mm -hmm. versus like is there a part of me that's doing this so that i view myself as like good job ellen like yeah you're you're doing great at being a christian yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's that's helpful so maybe another illustration would 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 help so just imagine you're you're driving down 95 right or you're you're driving down 95 and um you pop a tire, so you have to pull off to the side. So you go to change your tire, and one of the lug nuts falls off and rolls into the street. So you look both ways, and you run out there to pick it up. Um, but you didn't know that there's a car coming. Uh, for some reason, you just didn't know. But somebody saw, and before you got hit by an oncoming car, they pushed you out the way. What would you boast in? Would you boast in, would you be like, thank you, sir, for saving me? that's boasting. It'd be absurd to turn around and say, look what I did. <laughs> I was really good at dodging, dodging that. No, you would, you would say that man risked his life. He almost in a sense gave his life up for me to save me. 
and your boast would just shift. You would have no problem boasting in that. Now, turn that around if, if um, now your relationship with God has changed. Now, where, where you get that applause, that sort of good job, or the good works that you do, because he's your, he's your father. So he's not. So yes, we, in a sense, we, we, we can, we should be proud and happy and pleased with doing good things. Mm-hmm. We should be pleased with doing good things. Like in, in, in your field of work, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with feeling happy that I did a good job. Um, so the boasting Paul's talking about there is I can't boast in my ability to have earned my salvation because it was God who saved me. So now my boast shifts. I boast in the one who saved me. And I, now I, now the good works he's given me to do, I do them and I look to the smile of my father because he smiles at me now. He smiles. And I think that's, that's always been helpful for me. I think also you... You can. You mentioned like having someone tell you you did a good job in something you did. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that he will end up saying things like encourage one another, mm. um, comfort one another, share in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, so, to to the way you said, like invite people into the community. I think there are going to be places where we kind of boast in each other. You could say. Mm. Um, because that's where we see Christ at work. So I, I don't think it excludes, you know, being kind to someone and saying, right. great job. Right. You did this, you did that. Right. Um, and I think also thinking of the ecclesial context of Ephesians, don't boast because of your works, meaning he's gonna, he can say to a slave or a woman with no power in the world, you are in Christ. Hmm just as much as anyone else. Mm. So the the people who don't have anything to boast in, we, as, we assume this critiques pride, which it mm. does, mm. but it also comforts those who don't have anything mm. to boast in mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. and says, you don't need that. You know, your, your shameful identity that was given to you by the world mm. no longer mm. defines you. Mm. Mm. Which I think is then hard for people who like, like have done a lot of stuff to then say like, actually, it's not like I haven't really done it. And it's like, that doesn't define like their value. Mm. I think it is hard for people who have achieved a lot to basically be willing to say like, I am the same as like someone who has like, Mm. perhaps like done nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like pride that's difficult to, yeah, like acknowledge um and be willing to basically not define yourself based on the things that you've done i think it can be tricky Mm. i don't think we have to say they're not good works Mm. yeah like they're doing good i don't think we have to like disparage it right just think when it comes to salvation which is the eternal presence of god Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't compare yeah and often our boasting and good works can keep us from God and trusting him. Um, and so it, I, I think there are times when, whenever I'm not really depending on God at all, that my good works can be a, a cover hmm. for dependence and maybe even for sin. Like, look, I, I, I preach, I read my Bible all the time. I, I pray, I, I help people. I counsel people. Um, I think those, they're good. Like the Lord's called me to do this. The Lord's called all Christians to, to do those specific things. But um, 
if we're not brought back to our art of dependence on him, I think our good works can at times, not all the time, can at times be a cover. And God is just, he's trying to free us from that. The good works he has for us um, to walk in, it's never going to be outside of dependence on him. Never. At all. Um, and I think we can, we can miss that. So uh, I, I want good deeds. I want to do them. But I never want to do them in a sense that I don't need God to accomplish them. And I think those are the good deeds, the good works that he's prepared for us to walk in or what he's talking about. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Over and over in Christ. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Ellen. For joining us. Some wonderful questions. You're not coming back because they're too hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Have a wonderful and blessed day to all those listening. And See you holidays. next week and holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.